Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have a plan even when it, it seems like everything is going amok. Lord God, we, we pray that as we uh, explore the story of Ruth today, as we see how you worked for her and for Naomi, uh, Lord, and for all of us to eventually bring Christ. Lord, that uh, we find encouragement, we find empathy, uh, Lord, and, and you set our feet uh, to be about your business. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we're going to read an entire book of the Bible today. I hope you guys are ready to be here until about 3 p.m. Now, uh, we are going to read the whole book, but it's a pretty short uh, book. It's just four chapters, and it's good. So we are going to read through all of Ruth. If you've got the Bibles that we've all been using, these journal Bibles, uh, if you want to turn to page 315, uh, you can read along as well. Uh, you can also journal notes as we go, as we study Scripture together. And, and Ruth, as we talk about this Jesus dysfunctional family tree, we'll see if this is going to work. Sometimes it takes a moment, maybe, uh, is a but then story. I think, Eric, I may need you to be my clicker today. Thank you. Uh, it is a but then story. What is a but then story? All of us had a but then story this week. How many of you had plans this past week? I had plans. Oh, I had glorious plans. I had Jesus plans, y'all. I had good Jesus plans. Bethsabay was supposed to be a part of my Jesus plans. AJ was supposed to be a part of my Jesus. We were going to go through and plan out sermon series, right? This is Jesus stuff, right? What does God want to teach our people? And so we were going to collaborate with Jake Bessling at Concordia and Grant, who did an awesome job preaching last week, and Betsabe, so it's not just dudes figuring out what we're going to talk about, right? And so Monday, we're going to have this great opportunity and, but then the, the, the snowstorm hit. And I had a, a bunch of stuff. For those of you at home, I actually had planned Tuesday and Wednesday to redo all of our text streaming stuff, to get it all organized. And then Betsy and I were going to go through all of it. And then after church today, we were going to lock it all, sink it all in, get things going. But, but then the, the snow kept coming. And then Thursday happens, and it starts to thaw out. And this was different than the past snow apocalypse for us. Because while we lost a couple of branches... Especially those of us in older neighborhoods had a different experience this time, right? It was almost surreal. It was Thursday morning, and it, it didn't really quite hit me what was happening, but you would just hear this breaking everywhere. And what you realized was, I don't know what's going to break next. I don't know if a branch is going to break over the power lines or over my house. And it's just this eerie, ominous moment of, oh, the ice is melting. What comes next? But then. And, and all of us have lots of but then stories, not just about the ice apocalypse, but about our entire life. I was going to go to this college, but then I couldn't get the grade I needed. We were going to buy the house, but then the mortgage fell through. I was going to get married, but then. We were going to go on this trip, but then the, the doctor said, actually, you're going to go into chemo. The story of Ruth, the story of Naomi, is a but-then story. It's a story of what happens when things go wrong and how our God still works in it. But the beautiful thing about the story of Naomi, and Luke and I talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the service, is this is a rare story where God does not directly intervene. There isn't some miracle that God raises people back to life from the dead or he creates food from nothing. Instead, God uses normal means to provide for his people. And y'all, this is good news. 
Because 99.9% of the time, that's how God is going to work in our lives. He uses regular means, regular systems, regular people to be a blessing and to provide for us. And as we go through the story of Ruth, what we see is this beautiful sacrificial love that happens. And, and what that creates. So we're going to read through this entire story. As Luke kind of mentioned, there is some cultural stuff that we're going to have to unpack. But even then, we're going to see how God is providing for Ruth and Naomi. All right, so chapter 1, verse 1 and following. Read along if you want uh, as we go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land of Israel. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So this would be a neighboring country. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Maon and Kilion. They were Ephrates from Bethlehem, Judea. And they went to Moab and lived there. All right, so it starts off with a but-then situation. There is a famine in the land. There's poverty. And so they go to a different country in hopes of finding better security for themselves. So they head off. And while they're there, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they married two Moabite women, one named Ophrah and the other named Ruth. And they lived together for about ten years. But then both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. But then. They were just trying to take care of themselves, but then all the guys died. And this is one of those cultural issues. At that time in history, not just in Israel, but all across the world, if you did not have a father to take care of you, if you did not have a husband to take care of you, if you did not have a brother to take care of you, there's a common theme of all of those things. They're all male. You didn't have rights. And that is how every country works. You couldn't own land. You couldn't provide for yourself. You were literally at the mercy of your community. And so the story starts off where Naomi has a husband. Naomi has two sons. Everything's fine. She's protected. Her two sons get married, but then all, all the guys die off. But then, Naomi and Ruth and Ophrah don't have protection anymore. But then, story goes on. Now, when Naomi had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people for providing food for them, so the famine's over, she and her two daughters-in-law prepared to return home. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find a home and rest with another husband. Naomi is releasing her daughters-in-law because she realizes they have a better shot at life than she does. Naomi knows full well what happens to widows. That they're going to live in poverty. That there, there is no career advancement. There's no more life advancement. She's too old to have more kids. So what she's trying to do is set her daughter-in-laws up for success by releasing them. By saying, go, go home. Go, go, go back to your father. Find a new husband. Create a new family. You don't have to be dragged down by me. Naomi is trying to cut them loose so they can be okay. But there is a deep bond between all of them. Because they kissed goodbye and they wept aloud and said, we will, uh, uh, da, 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 sorry, 
uh, may the Lord grant you that you find. Uh, then they kissed them. Good, she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, "We will go back with you and your people." So they're like, "No, we're sticking with you, Naomi. We're not going back." But Naomi doubles down. She says, "Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to give you any more sons? And who would become your husbands?" No, return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to two sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than it is for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again, and then Afra kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. So there's a splitting. First daughter-in-law says, okay, I'm taking you up in the offer. I'm, I'm heading home. But Ruth clings to Naomi. Ruth says, no, 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 I, I'm not doing this. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you and turn back from you. Where, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And when you die, I will be buried. I, I will be there. I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. You can write in the notes this is a story of sacrificial love. This is a but then story where Ruth has the opportunity. Ruth has every reason to say, I'm out. Naomi has released her. But instead, Ruth chooses sacrificial love for her mother-in-law. And that sacrificial love and that choice is going to create something beautiful. That choice is going to create a new relationship that also is based on sacrificial love. And that love will eventually produce a child, and that child will eventually have a descendant named Jesus. The story of Ruth is one of sacrificial love and the type of relationships it creates. Continuing on, verse 19. So the two women, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? They're like, oh, she's back. This is great. But that's not Naomi's response. Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, uh, Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. She comes back and she says, change my name to Mara. Change my name to Bitter. Because the Lord has made my life bitter. I went away full. I had a husband. I had sons. I was provided for. And then, through no fault of her own, but then, call me bitter. And as Luke said, after the great is your faithfulness song, it's so easy sometimes in the moment that there is real pain that there is real heartbreak, that things like cancer or death or loss of jobs or inflation or whatever that but then thing is are hard, that we can lose faith in God. But again, the story of Ruth does not end in chapter 1. 
Because while there is a but then where her loses her kids, and then God still moves. Chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Amalek, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said, go ahead, my daughter. So I went out. Uh, so, so she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turns out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the same clan. All right, this is a cultural thing that's happening. So you're a widow. Uh, both Naomi and Ruth are widows. They, they can't go and get a job. And so something they would do is they would go behind the fields as the shears would shear, and what is ever left over, they would pick up. And what's interesting about this is God actually created this system in Israel. If you go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, in the Bibles here, that's going to be page 238, God sets up a system when he's creating the nation of Israel to protect and provide for his people. So in Deuteronomy 24, verses 17, and you may want to underline this verse, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice, or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that God redeemed you from there. That's why I commanded you to do this. And then he gives them an instruction in verse 19. When you are harvesting in your field, and overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that your God may bless you in the work of your hands. When you beat the olives of your trees, do not go back a second time. Leave the remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. God creates the country of Israel, and he creates a rule for the farmers. He says, don't try to get every single scrap off the ground. Instead, leave it for what is typically considered in the Bible the least of these, the most powerless widows orphans, and foreigners. And he says, leave something for them. Provide for them. Do not deprive justice for them. And we talk about justice a lot in this church. Justice in the Old Testament, mishpat, means biblical outcomes. God wants biblical outcomes for everyone, including widows, including foreigners, including orphans, including your family, my family, when we're in full-on dysfunction. God wants biblical outcomes. And so he sets up the system that they're supposed to be left over in the field for those who can't provide for themselves. And that's the system that Ruth is depending on. So she heads out, and she ends up in Boaz's field. All right, so back to the Ruth, uh, page 316. Just then, uh, verse 4, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. And he says, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they all answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she is the, Maob she is the Moabite who came back from my Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean, from among, uh, glean and gather from among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning until now, except for a short uh, rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter... Listen to me. Don't go out and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. 
Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. When you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. So essentially, Boaz goes beyond the rule, right? The rule is leave some in the fields, but he's like, hey, no, 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 stay in my field. My guys will protect you. Gather from here. You can drink from our water jars. He's going above and beyond. He sees someone in need, and he leans in. He realizes he has resources. He has tools. He has a network that can help. That's literally what we did yesterday with chainsaws. That's what we're going to do after church today with chainsaws, right? We have an ability to help. We see a need. We lean in. That's what righteousness looks like in the Bible. How do we have right relationships with one another? It means leaning in when there are challenges. So Boaz sets this up, and he actually ends up going um, going further. At this, she, this is verse 10, Ruth bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. You can underline verse 12. Boaz says, I've been watching you. In fact, our whole community has been watching you. That sacrificial love, you didn't abandon your mother-in-law when you had every opportunity to. When the world would tell you, take care of yourself, Ruth said, no, 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 I, I will have sacrificial love. This is my family, and I am sticking with it. And Boaz says, I saw that, and it matters. And so, of course, I'm going to take care of you. May I continue, uh, verse 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servants, though I do not have standing as one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said, come over here, have some bread and dip it in wine and vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had left over. That she got up to glean, and Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaths and do not reprimand her. And in fact, even pull out some stalks from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the evening, uh, in the, the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ethic. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. She also brought out and gave her what was left over after she had eaten. Right? So she comes back with this abundance. They're thinking, go out, get as much as you can. Hopefully it's enough food for today. And she comes back with her arms just full. And all of a sudden, the story of Naomi, who wants to be called Mara the Bitter, starts to change. Because while there is but-thens in our lives, there is a God who still works for his people, and he works through his people for people. Verse 19, And her mother-in-law asked, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Luth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Well, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, the man is also a close relative. He is a guardian redeemer. This is going to be a big word. I'll come back to that in a second. You can underline that if you want. Then Ruth said to the Maobite, uh, then Ruth the Maobite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting grain. 
Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the woman who worked for him, because in someone's else field you may be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz to glean the barley in the wheat, uh, until the wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. All right, that word kinsman and redeemer. This was another system God set up for his people. God realized that if the guys died, the women were going to be vulnerable. And so he set up systems within families where there would be someone called a guardian redeemer. Sometimes it's called a kinsman redeemer, but someone who could go and advocate for the family line of the woman. And Boaz was one of the ones in line. He's not the first one in line. He's the second in line. But that was Boaz's role. He realized, I'm supposed to care for those that God has brought into my orbit because God created a system, a community, where people would care for those when he brings them into other people's orbit. But that's the story that's set up here. It's a story of sacrificial love from Ruth, and then Boaz realizing this is the right thing to do, so I'm going to do it. All right, so that, that's how this, this story starts. Uh, and then we get to the fun part. This is, how many of you guys like to matchmake? Just curious. Do we have any matchmakers in the house? Okay, Terry Franz, both are, yes, yeah, so that, that makes sense. I can, I can definitely see that, right? Uh, I, uh, too, will uh, partake in set events every once in a while. I have a brother who is single, uh, and so every once in a while, Erica will have a new friend. They'll be like, well, what do you, what do you think about her and John? Huh? Huh? Maybe, right? But what happens is a matchmaking event, right? Naomi's going to get a little glean in her eye and be like, I see something happening here. There is an opportunity. So let's see what that opportunity is. This is going to be chapter 3. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whom whose women you have worked, he's a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get that best dress you own. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you were there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is laying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. All right, this is, this is not shady. This is some sneaky stuff, right? This is a, uh, not an entrapment thing that is definitely not what Naomi is doing, right? But she's trying to set her daughter up for success, right? So put on your perfume, get all dolled up. And then, wait till he's good and happy, right? Uh, and we're talking eating and drinking. Uh, water, was that something that you would drink that often, honestly? You'd pull from the well. Uh, but we're going to find out that, no, he had, you know, had some of that wine that Jesus had made, right? Um, so he's in good spirits, right? I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. And there's an exclamation part after that. I love that, right? Like, okay, you, you're having a good day. You're a good dude. You had a good harvest. You're having your little feast afterwards. You go to bed, and you wake up, and there's a lady there. Right? This is a funny story. This is like a, huh, okay, hi, how, 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 how you doing, All right? Uh, and Ruth, she's pretty coy about it. Uh, he's asked, who are you? I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. And Ruth replies, I need protection. And then she drops the guardian redeemer card. And what this was, how this worked, is if you had a guardian redeemer in the clan, 
They had the opportunity to marry you, to continue on your family's line, to continue on your family's land. It was a way to provide protection. And so essentially, she's asking Boaz, do you know you are one of our guardian redeemers? Do you know there is an opportunity that we can be made whole again? And because Boaz is a righteous man, because he is doing the right thing, his response, the Lord bless you, my daughter, verse 10, he replied. This kindness is greater than what you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger man, rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do what you ask. All the people of my town know uh, that you are a woman of noble character. And although it is true I am, one of, I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is one who is more closely related than I. So stay here for tonight. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, because, you know, it's kind of scandalous. And then he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor, right? I don't know all the cultural nuances of, like, what the threshing floor means and all this other stuff, other than, you know, let's not have people talking. Let's not start having little rumors going around. So she kind of juts off, but just before she does, verse 15 no, no, bring me your shawl, he says, uh, that you are wearing, and hold it out. And when she did, he poured six measures of barley and placed it in a bundle on her. Then he went back to town. And when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? And then she, Ruth, told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he even gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter. Until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. I literally wrote in my notes, ha! Right? This is a moment where Naomi, right, when you try to match people up, it doesn't always go particularly well. Right? Sometimes it goes really poorly, but this is not one of those times. And I could literally see Naomi, like, doing the uh, Mr. Burns, excellent, right? This is, it's all going according to plan. And she's like, oh, Boaz is a man with a bone right now, right? He is going to get this thing settled we're going to be okay. And Naomi is right. They are going to be okay. Chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down as the guardian redeemer. Uh, Oh, and as he sat down, the the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. And Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took the ten elders of the town, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative. I thought I should bring up the matter to your attention and suggest you buy it in the presence of all the men seated here. If you will redeem it, do so. But if not, tell me, and I, and I will. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. All right, so he brings in this close relative of his. He gets all the elders here so everyone can see, everyone can be in the know. And the dude's like, oh, I can get some new, more property. This, this is great. Sure, I will totally buy it. And then Boaz does like the one-two punch. He's like, I got you. Sweet. Then Boaz says, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth, uh, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead man with his property. And this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I would endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Right, so Boaz says, you can buy the land, but because of how God set up the system, you have to take care of the people on the land. 
we're not going to just leave Naomi and Ruth out of it. That was the system God set up. And so the man's like, I've already got a family. I don't want multiple wives. This sounds confusing. That was a really good choice, right? So he's like, I pass. And Boaz is like, all right, then I'm up. And I will. And then there is this little show of a contract that has to do with shoes. Uh, now, in earlier times, this is verse 7, uh, in Israel, for a redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a method of legalizing <laughs> transaction in Israel. Again, cultural stuff that doesn't entirely translate, but it's funny. Uh, so the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he took off his sandal. And then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Melech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, uh, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of his dead property, of his name of the dead of the property, so his name will not disappear among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. And the elders and all the people at the gate says we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, we read about them a while ago, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in your tribe and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the Lord, through your offspring, the Lord gives you by this woman. May your family be like Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when they made love, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the woman said to Naomi, praise the Lord who did this and did not leave you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout all of Israel. For he will renew your life and sustain you in old age. For your daughter-in-law, for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed, who is the father of Jesse. And he was the father of Jesus. But then, and God still shows up. God still fights for Ruth and Naomi. And again, the good news for us, he did it through normal means. So oftentimes when we pray, we want that instant miracle. God, God take this away. God, remove this from me. And, and he can. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But so often what he is going to do is he's going to use physical means to provide for you. I was on a text message thread uh, earlier this week, uh, and one of our members uh, had just gotten over cancer, and another member said, and I'd also like to praise Dr. Jesus, uh, who I've been consulting on this, and he is right. Jesus did remove the cancer, but he used doctors to do it, and that's good news. And Jesus is going to provide for you and for your family, and that's good news. And sometimes, well, occasionally, He'll do it through a miracle. Most of the time, though, it's going to be like the story of Ruth and Naomi, where he's going to use normal people to be a part of that. But here's the other story. It's not just about Ruth and Naomi. It's about Boaz as well. And about living a righteous life when we see people in need, not to be like, oh, man, they had some but-then moments. Good luck with that. But instead to lean in. There's a verse in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, I think we've got that on one of the screens, where God says to his people, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. 
God tells his people. And Boaz knew this, and we as his church are called to know this as well. To fight for those who can't fight for themselves. To be their advocate. To get a chainsaw out every once in a while and cut down some trees. To be there for people. To pray for people when they're sick. To do meal trains for people. To lean in. Because that's how God provides. That's the invitation he gives each and every one of us. And that's what he modeled in Christ. Because all of us are the least of these when it comes to sin. Romans says all of us have fallen astray. All of us deserved death. And Jesus comes in and says, no, I'll be your guardian redeemer. But, but not just to save us that we can be an advocate for others. And that is what the story of Ruth and Naomi is all about. Let's pray. Dear God, you're good. Dear God, you, you have a plan. And you have been working that plan. You've been putting the right people in the right places with the right resources for generations. Lord, even when the but-then situation happened with Ruth and Naomi, you were already putting in place the provisions they were going to need in the name of Boaz to take care of his family. And Lord God, we know you're still working today. Lord, so when those moments come in our lives, Lord, we do confess when we are like Naomi and we have those moments of just bitterness and anger where we don't think you're still going to be faithful to us, Lord, that we look to other gods, whether it's money or whatever. Lord, we confess that we are still wrestling with that, and yet you are still a good God to Naomi. You are still a good God to us. And you are for us. You showed that in Jesus, and so we know we have forgiveness of sins, but then you send us out to to be advocates for our neighbors, our friends, and our families. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.